Hi, I'm Billy Glosson, lead pastor of Coram Deo Church in Morganton, North Carolina, and you're listening to the Coram Deo Podcast, a place to engage with sermons, devotionals, prayer, and everything else we're doing at Coram Deo. Thanks for listening. I'll be reading from John 4, verses 23 and 24. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. God, thank you for, thank you for this day. Father, thank you for beautiful weather. Thank you for this family that we can come together and stop whatever is happening in our, our busy, crazy lives and, and pause for a moment to hear from you, Lord. I lift up Michael this morning. He wasn't planning on preaching today, God, but we know that you have a plan. And we know that your words are going to come through him to us. So I pray for him to just follow your lead even as he's speaking, God. I pray that our ears and our hearts will be open to receive the good news that you have for us this morning, God. Give us patience and grace for each other. And just um, thank you for loving us, Lord. Thank you for giving us this opportunity to come together. We love you too. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning again. Um, we are a, a small, young church. If you're new and visiting with us and you're like, didn't that guy sing a little bit ago? Um, and we have a very bustling staff of two people, and one of them is down for the count today, so you can be praying for Billy uh, for a speedy recovery. Um, and so I just, you know, on deck at all times. So here we are. Um, if you joined us a few weeks back, I mentioned in my sermon on Psalm 121, that someday I would preach a whole message about singing. Well, that day has come somewhat sooner (laughs) than expected. As the deacon of music here at Coram Deo, it's my delight and privilege to preach this message to you today. Um, Like I said, we're a young church, and I really believe that if we can begin now in the life of our church family to grasp some of these truths it's going to forge something really beautiful in us uh, for years to come. We'll look back on these days with fondness um, as to say that's when God started this for us. Um, If you're like me, joy has at some times in your life been something that feels elusive. Whether you are a believer or not, your joy, your happiness can seem to rise and flow, to ebb and flow. Um, But as a believer, it's one of the things you know that's supposed to be present in your life. Christians are supposed to be joyful, and it's one of the things that's supposed to be there, but sometimes it seems like maybe you're joyful for a day, maybe for a moment, and maybe even a brief moment on a Sunday morning, you feel a little bit of joy. The message I'm going to share with you today was first preached at our Sending Church. We did a series, uh, our deacon of music, um, myself, and then another worship leader were blessed with the privilege to preach on singing. This is the second in that series. And in the first sermon, my, my dear brother, our, our other worship leader, Tyler, he gave this great, excellent defense of how the redeemed people are a singing people. And he gave five solid reasons. If I can find that sermon link, I went looking for it and I couldn't find it. So if I can find it, um, I will post it this week to the podcast. I encourage you to go listen to it. Um, 
But the, I'm gonna give you the, the five reasons here because it, it's a springboard, it's a launch pad for the rest of my message here today. Number one, God is a singing God. Number two, the Bible commands it. Number three, it's for our joy. Number four, it's for our good. And number five, it's for his glory. And today, I'm going to kind of harp in on number three, it's for our joy. I'm going to talk about how singing is a gift from God to give back to God, but it actually enables us to fight for this maybe elusive thing called joy. When Tyler preached that message, I thought, man, this is the kind of message that compels change. It's one that you get excited about. You go home and you're talking about it with your family. Maybe you're singing the songs from that morning because or maybe you have your own like go-to playlist, you know, that this, these songs get me in the zone to worship. You're elated, you're excited, and maybe it's possible that you could be the singing Christian that he talked about in that message. Or maybe you feel convicted because you really don't feel like singing, but if the Bible commands it, That means you have to do it, and so you feel led towards obedience, but you're not sure what to do about this disconnect between what you believe in your your mind to be true and how it manifests in your affections. Or, if you're like me, you get really amped about the message, you talk about it all day long, you sing the songs, and you believe, you really believe what you're singing is true. You really feel it in that moment, and you get really hyped and emotional about it, and then it's Monday. And you hear the alarm go off, (laughs) and you think, here we go again. (laughs) Sorry, the timing was just too perfect for that. Um, If the redeemed people are a singing people, why, why do I find myself not wanting to sing? Maybe it's a season or a lifetime of suffering. Maybe you just had a rough week, or maybe you watched the news or the latest Netflix documentary about how terrible the world is. And so it's hard to picture yourself a singing, joyful believer that the Bible talks about. So I'm going to pray, and then I want to jump into our passage today. And my hope is that we can leave today feeling equipped and encouraged. The title of my message is Singing and the fight for joy. And I believe that what this passage has to say and what this message has to offer is going to be really helpful as we navigate through some of these thoughts and concerns. My aim is to show you that singing to God today and every day will be the outflow or direct result of the rest of your worship. In other words, singing is the result of true worship. And if singing only becomes worship when it stems from that sort of life. So before we pray, if your mind changes today, if you hear this message, you're like, okay, I got to sing. He's right. Um, Says it in there. You know, every week I trip on this thing, so I'm just going to get that out of the way. Okay. Um, If your mind changes, that's great. But my hope today is that we will get caught up in the gospel and God can take care of the rest. The Holy Spirit will work in us as his people and move us. Let's pray. Uh, Father, I ask in these next moments, God, that you would push us into places that maybe we've been avoiding. Lord, we know that you search our hearts. 
Holy Spirit, we're excited for the the changes that you're going to start in your people today. God, I pray that you would make us, Quorum Deo Church, a wild bunch that, that is not concerned with how cool or relevant we are. Lord, I know that I can't say all that should be said, so please, God, help me to say what should be said today and help me not to say what shouldn't. Jesus, we're thankful for your work done on the cross, and we're thankful for your work done in our hearts today. Amen. So as we get into this, I, I, I want to read a little bit because we need context. So we're, we're going to focus in on verses 23 and 24, but I'm going to hop back to verse 7 and just give us kind of an idea of what's going on here. Verse 7. It says, A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship that you, you do not know, what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So our outline comes from verses 23 and 24. I have three points. And as we unpackage, unpack this message today, I hope to address maybe some objections or hindrances that we might encounter within ourselves or with others as we think about this thought of like singing and fighting for joy. What would keep us from singing? So here's our three points if you're a note taker. Number one, the time is now. Number two, God is pursuing, and number three, God's people worship in spirit and truth. Number one, the time is now. Let's look at the first part of verse 23. It says, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. So in the previous verses, this this woman and Jesus are having this back and forth about who worships where and when and how, 
And you know it's a misdirect from the real conversation, right? She is embarrassed. So she's like, yeah, let's talk about worship again. But nonetheless, Jesus is gracious. He engages with her. He's saying to her, listen, the time is coming and, and the moment will be here. And it's actually starting right now that none of that's gonna matter. Jesus knew what she didn't. He knew that the, the Holy Spirit was coming soon because of the price that he would pay. See, in this time, they would dispute who the true worshipers were based on Jerusalem or Mount Gerizim. But Jesus is saying that that part of the argument is no longer relevant. D.A. Carson puts it this way. He says, the true worshipers cannot be identified by their attachment to a particular shrine, but by their worship of the Father in spirit and truth. Jesus knew that one day the people would worship God right where they are because God would no longer relegate his presence to one location, but in the hearts and souls of his people. Does this sound familiar to you, Coram Deo? We worship always in his presence and before his face. That's the day we live in, on the other side of Calvary. This is a call to worship every day and in every place. This is a call to enact upon the very thing that we are designed for, worshiping and glorifying God in all we do. So our biggest struggle when it comes to singing to God throughout the week, more than just Sunday, and especially on a Sunday morning, is going to be the direct result of a lack of our worshiping him in other areas of our lives. I'm gonna say that again. Our biggest struggle when it comes to singing to God throughout the week, and especially on a Sunday morning, that struggle is going to be a direct result of our lack of worshiping him in every other area of our lives. True worship was never meant to be a Sunday morning only thing. This brings us to the first hindrance or objection we might have to the idea that the redeemed are a singing people. So in the same way that the Old Testament argue about, argument about which mountain is right, you know that, that argument is irrelevant now. So this objection is broken down by the work of Jesus. Whew. I gotta warn you guys. This, this might sting a little bit, okay? Um, I love you. This just isn't my jam. Maybe this, have you ever left a church because you didn't like the music? We don't do enough new music. We don't do enough old music. This music doesn't fit the culture that I'm used to. Preference or stylistic differences. There are several things going on in our hearts with these things that the gospel speaks to, but first and foremost should be obvious. If singing worshipfully to God is for our good, our joy, but his glory, then by the Holy Spirit, we ought to, as Paul writes in Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So, you know, maybe we need to deal first with a song choice here and there that isn't really our thing, but if that's a struggle, I gotta warn you, it's only gonna get more uncomfortable from here because God wants his church to be multi-ethnic, globally diverse, and wild. It is no accident that God has put us in a gathering space in a neighborhood with lots of people that don't look like most of us. So in the same way that I can stand next to somebody who is belting out a song and, and maybe, maybe they can't really catch the notes, 
but they're genuinely singing their heart out to God. I can still lift my hands and not be caught off guard. I can still find that to be a genuinely beautiful sound in the same way that I can go into a style or a language that I might not be comfortable with because I know and you know that God is building a kingdom filled with people that do not necessarily look, act, or sing just like you and me. Hallelujah. God is building a kingdom of wildly joyful, diverse worshipers. In Revelation, it says, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. Now, bear with me. I, I get it. It's, it's difficult, if not impossible, to force ourselves to like music that we don't like. I don't think that's what we're called to do, you know, to just all of a sudden, I'm not even going to say what style of music I don't like because I don't want to offend anybody. Um, All of a sudden, I like that kind of music. Um, I don't think that's what we're called to, but rather we're called to love one another like Jesus did and wash each other's feet. Singing is one of the many ways that we serve one another. This is how singing is for our joy because when I am wrecked by the week's distractions and then the next song in the set is one that I don't necessarily like, I can be stirred by seeing one of you who loves that song and even there I can lift my voice and belt out because the one we are singing to is worthy of it. I don't have to be a statue staring at a screen in distaste. I can be just as into that song as the next one, because Christ deserves it. So let's not be moved emotively more by the style of a song or the way that it sounds under the guise of it being what pulls us into God's presence or allows us to worship. Let's not be moved more by style and preference than we are by the truth that our songs point to. Bob Coughlin is the leader of Sovereign Grace Music. He puts it like this. Knowing that singing is meant to express our unity in the gospel doesn't mean we'll always like the songs we sing. Paul's, preference, Paul's reference to psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs most likely indicates that the songs of the church will be varied. One style of music will never fully capture the glories of God or appropriate responses to him. Paul wisely encouraged the Colossians in the context of singing to let the peace of Christ rule in their hearts to which indeed they were called in the one body. We sing as one body for God's glory. That means there might be times where, when our most sincere worship is singing a song we don't prefer because we know someone else is helped by it. All right, I warned you that that was gonna sting. Maybe it didn't. Maybe you're like, yeah, awesome, get them. Um, but take heart. Uh, I believe all of this is encouraging, um, but the rest of it definitely is. <laughs> Um, and I really believe it's going to be helpful for us now and in the future. Let's move into to step two. The, the, the second part of verse 23, God is pursuing. Verse 23 again, at the end it says, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. Man, that's good news. Jesus is telling this woman in this passage that the things He's telling these things in the grand scope of redemptive history. This is her great hope. This is our great hope. And it brings us to our second hindrance or objection today that comes into play here, our sin. I feel like a fraud or a fake. 
when I started this morning, I said it was a joy to be here. And the temptation for me is to say that because it seems fitting and not because I mean it. In the past at our sending church, I confessed to our bands, our musicians, several times that it's not always a joy. A lot of times it's an obligation. And more than that, I don't feel worthy to lead in music and and often feel like a fraud. If I sing a song like Rejoice or I Surrender All, do I really surrender all? Maybe that's you as well. You come here to the, the service, the gathering, and you know the sins that you're aware of this week, the same sins that you repented of last week. Maybe it's the fifth day in a row and you're caught in a habit of, of looking at porn again. And now you're trying to sing I Surrender All. You can't seem to, maybe you can't seem to shake this just angry spirit, this hatred that you have for this person. And then you come into this place and you sing, then sings my soul, my savior God to thee. Coram Deo, the grandeur of the gospel, this is our hope, is that the father is seeking The Father is seeking such people. We are not seeking. He sought us. He pursued us. He didn't just come to seek this woman at the well. He came to make her a true worshiper. Jesus, she meets Jesus and walks away testifying. See, this is the great truth. Worship has never started. It wasn't initiated by us. We're not itching to get in here throughout the week. That's the Father pulling and calling us from eternity past through the work of Jesus all the way to last Friday to call you into his presence. So much of the time, our struggle and and preference or, or feeling unworthy is because we still think that we're bringing something to the table, but Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he says in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, for who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? And we see in James 1, 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Worship starts with receiving. That's good news. James Rathman puts it this way. He says, this is a one-way pursuit. Here is how we stand before the Lord in our salvation. We bring nothing. We stand before God and say, what makes us righteous? And the only thing that we can point to is that Jesus took the death and slavery and punishment that I deserved. Our response is just praise. So we are not frauds. Apart from Christ, we might be unworthy. Apart from Christ, we might be failures. But God has sought true worshipers and through Jesus has made us his family. He is our father Quorum Deo, we are sons and daughters of the God of the universe. We don't have the ability to gather and or worship together, let alone sing because we walked a really holy walk this week or because of the speediness of our repentance or anything that we have done. You are not brought near to the presence of God by the songs or the words or these words even. You're brought near by the blood of Jesus. And as the writer of Hebrews says, In chapter 10, verses 19, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is his flesh, 
And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So yes, seeing that you surrender all, because even when you don't have the strength to let go and surrender the idols that, that our God is lovingly trying to pry from our grip, the one who did surrender all stands in our place. Sing, my Savior God to thee, because Jesus is your Savior and the Holy Spirit is in you. And so, yes, your soul is singing. You're not conjuring some will. The God of the universe chose to dwell in you and is compelling you to sing. So sing and sing loud. You're not lying. You are submitting to the work of the Holy Spirit. Are you going to fail again? Are you going to return to your sin? We know that we likely will. But instead of having our heads down and looking at the ground, why don't we just say yes every time the Spirit prompts us to sing and watch as he changes our hearts? Here's Bob Coughlin one more time. Deity becomes dust. The maker becomes maligned. The creator becomes the cursed. God comes in Christ to restore the relationship we rejected in the garden. We learn that the greatest gift God gives us is himself. Jesus is God's ultimate statement that he will provide a way for us to worship him, not only in this life, but for all eternity. Where our offerings are tainted with self-reliance and self-exaltation, Jesus empties himself to bring glory to his Father on our behalf. Jesus' perfect life, substitutionary death on the cross, physical resurrection, and glorious ascension assure once and for all that those who trust in him can be numbered among the worshipers of God. For thousands of years since then, God has been seeking all those willing to receive the gift of worshiping him. This brings us to our last point today. Let's look at verse 24. God's people worship in spirit and truth. Verse 24 says, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So Jesus is essentially saying to this woman in this conversation, he says that her view of God is, is way too small. He's not hanging out on a mountain or in a temple anymore, but rather because of Jesus, God would dwell in the hearts of his people. God is spirit. He's not an object or an idol. Those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. This means that true worshipers are called to enjoy the fullness of life that God has given. It's eternal life. It's supernatural. There's power to it. And the basis for this enjoyment is the truth of God expressed in the person of Jesus Christ. So in other words, true worship only takes place through Christ to the Father. So if you say you believe in God, but you reject your need for Jesus, you're not worshiping the one true God. And it's important to see here the clear wording. There are not two distinctives of worship that are on a spectrum. You know, we need a little bit more spirit because we have too much truth or doctrine. Or maybe we need to be strong in our doctrine so we're not so caught up in the spirit. These two things are bound. So true worship will not happen because of a place or a posture, but because of God doing the work through Jesus Christ to save us. That's good news. At least to our last hindrance today, one that I think we can all relate to. As 
at the heart of the struggle to pray, to trust God, to live in the spiritual disciplines, to worship, and, and to especially sing is disbelief or doubt. Maybe from, from or alongside a trial, I'm, I'm not sure about Jesus. Does he really care about me? Or, or, or did he really raise from the dead? One of our elders at our sending church, Derek Zimmerman, he and I would talk about uh, counseling and he, he was a really helpful counselor and he would say that biblical counseling is a lot of times summed up with the question, what part of the gospel do you not believe? Listen, I get it. You've watched me up here like break into tears. I've, I've heard some of your stories and I know it runs through my mind. How long, Lord? Why? It's so hard to believe, let alone come together for gathered worship and sing some songs. Heaven forbid if they want us to clap our hands. It's really hard. But friends and family, hear this. We can trust in the goodness of God because of the cross of Jesus. The power of Jesus' death on the cross is more than the strength of your heaviest doubt. He is calling you to sing the song of the redeemed. This isn't some kind of twisted irony. This is your only hope. To remind your soul that in the darkest of times, we do not grieve of those without hope. As it says in 1 Thessalonians, death is the worst thing that can happen to us or our loved ones on earth. But Christian, take heart. Death has been defeated. We sing it in, oh, praise the name. Oh, trampled death, where is your sting? The angels roar for Christ the King. He is calling you to worship in song because he knows that even at your lowest, you can find joy. All of his songs were designed to do this. Oh, that it may be said about us what Paul says in Romans chapter four, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. We sing from joy that has been given to us through salvation in Jesus Christ. When we are beat down and struggling, we sing for the same joy. This isn't a fake it till you make it theology. This is exercising faith by submitting to the Holy Spirit's work in your heart. God will grow your faith as you give him glory. This message is titled Singing and the Fight for Joy because it is a battle. The enemy wants to destroy you. But friend, he doesn't stand a chance. So don't spend another minute holding back from worship in the mindset of doubt, in the midst of doubt. Worship in it. Worship right there in the middle of it and watch the spirit move in your life. So as we wrap up today, you get the call from the doctor and it's bad news and it's, the situation is dark, you can sing, even so, it is well with my soul. Maybe you had a bad week at, at work, it, you feel constantly underappreciated, maybe it's a relationship with your parents, that you, you can just never measure up to those expectations. You're never good enough. You, in that moment, can sing, I am who you say I am. Perhaps it's another negative pregnancy test or you've experienced loss again. 
you can sing, I fix my eyes on you. The, the solace in your suffering is my strength. Maybe you're drowning in shame and guilt. Lift up your head and sing, Son of David, have mercy on me. Singing is God's gift to us so that we can battle for joy. And it gives him glory and it gives us joy. These are just some powerful examples from our song list here that we're trying to develop, but there's a much larger songbook for you to access in scripture. I'm talking about Psalms. So I encourage you to, to get alone this week. I have some Psalms that'll be listed up on the, this is a good place to start. Read these, pray them, sing them, make up a tune. These are just a few that contain words that have been inspirations for a lot of songs that you probably know. So get alone, seek the Lord, sing to the Lord, sing by yourself, sing with your family, and then come back together with the family of God. Let your heart be encouraged by the family and stirred to sing on in hope. Sing for joy. You can't imagine moving on. You can't go on, sing for joy. Are you struggling to repent? Sing and fight for joy. Are you caught up in preference? Sing for joy and watch the spirit transform. Let's pray. God, as I prayed earlier this morning, um, you know what you're doing and I don't. I don't know why you brought me to this, this passage, why you brought me to this message today. Um, God, I'm just trusting you. Lord, I ask that you would begin a new work in us and soften our hearts, Lord. Spirit, would you transform us Would you shake us from doubt, shame, apathy? God, may we experience your grace in such a powerful way that all we can do is sing. All we can do is react with worship and praise to you. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Quorum Deo podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or our website, quorumdeonc.com. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram for a bigger picture inside the life of the church. Grace and peace be with you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.